Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. On Friday morning, amid all the bad news that's been doing the rounds lately, we found out that we, alongside our Kiwi cousins, will be the hosts of the 2023 Women's World Cup. I can announce the host country of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023, which will be Australia, New Zealand. Congratulations. Today, we're going to find out whether this event will truly be the transformative moment for women's sport in Australia, as many think it will be. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. In the time before coronavirus, women's sport in Australia was kicking goals, smashing it out of the park, knocking it for six, and all the other sporting analogies, like never before. The AFLW had cemented itself as a major drawcard on the AFL calendar, with the NRL women's teams also experiencing a growth in their supporter base. A landmark collective bargaining agreement saw the pay gap effectively closed between Australia's two top football teams, the Matildas and the Socceroos. Our netballers continued to set the world standard in their field. Tennis star Ash Barty ended her season ranked number one in the world. And the Australian women's cricket team smashed through their season, bringing home the T20 World Cup in front of a crowd of just over 86,000 people back in March. New research conducted pre-coronavirus and released last month shows while we say our nation's men's teams are more recognisable, it's Australia's women's teams who are winning the hearts of fans. The findings released by market research company True North rated fans' emotional connection for 13 of the nation's teams. The top spots were dominated by women's cricket, soccer, rugby sevens and the Diamonds rounding out the top four. The Matildas were found to be the team most loved, with two-thirds of those fans in the research data familiar with them and star captain Sam Kerr. Men's team's connection hadn't fallen since the last time the research was conducted. It was just that fans were now more aware of their conduct on and off the field and held them more accountable for it. Right now, though, in July 2020, women's sport in Australia is on hold. We're being warned that competitions like the AFLW may not return the same in 2021 after coronavirus hit clubs hard. Some who feel the women's team say they may not be able to afford to have one next season. The Diamonds took a pay cut to help their code get through the crisis as they stay engaged with fans via social media while players suspended. And while men's sport is the first in line to be restarted as restrictions lift, women's sport is sitting on the back burner until we see how the men's teams fare. 
But then on Friday last week, we helped make history after Australia and New Zealand secured the bid to host the 2023 Women's World Cup, the first time in history that two nations from different football confederations will host together. Congratulations to Team Australia and Team New Zealand. It's given us a wonderful boost during what are difficult times. Hopefully by 2023, the pandemic will be behind us well and truly, and the world will have its eyes focused here on Australia and New Zealand. We just wanted to take the opportunity to thank everyone that's been involved in the bid, from the government support to everyone that's touched it. It's been incredible and we're so, so grateful. To be fair, we already work pretty well together, us and the Kiwis. We have several established sporting codes that span the Tasman and have already hosted major events across both countries, including the 2015 Cricket World Cup and the 2017 Rugby League World Cup. But we're hearing this event to be held in July and August 2023, starting in New Zealand and ending in Sydney, with games to be played across both capital cities and regional centres, will not just be a financial win for both countries, but for women's sport, it's being hailed as a game changer. Tracy Holmes is a senior journalist at the ABC and host of the award-winning podcast, The Ticket. Tracy, can we first talk about what it's taken for the Matildas to get to this point? I mean, their first World Cup games weren't even recognised as official games when they started playing back in the 70s, were they? No, they were recognised by the the crew and hardy supporters, you know, their family and friends and those closest to them. But it has been a battle. But what's been so amazing about this whole Matilda's um, team, their history and the formation of what has now become one of Australia's most popular brands is that they stood up to the challenges. They did things like become one of Australia's first sporting teams to actually go on strike and to say, no, sorry, we're not going on tour until you pay the money you owe us from last time and until we organise a decent pay strategy and until we organise some sort of thing that shows parity between the men's and women's teams. And so they've worked to a point now where FFA, the Football Federation Australia, the governing body, agreed to a situation where any revenue coming in for national teams is split equally between the Matildas and the Socceroos. And that is really groundbreaking. And a lot of players around the world, a lot of women's teams, Teams around the globe have looked at the Matildas and taken their style and adapted it to their own. So the Matildas are kind of legendary for all sorts of things. They, they really stand up and, and state their case, but they've still got this sort of natural, organic community heartiness about them, which is a really wonderful thing because they're ranked in the top 10 in the world. They are far better in that sense than our men's football team, and they really do deserve all the support that comes their way. So what does this mean then for us in New Zealand to have secured this massive event? It is a massive event. So if you look at, you know, the world's top global events, it would be in the top three. So you'd have to say the Olympics, the FIFA Men's World Cup, and then the FIFA Women's World Cup. So it is huge. And it's also set to be expanded. So up until now, the Women's World Cup has been for 24 national teams. That's going to be expanded to 32 national teams. FIFA also at the last Women's World Cup in France in 2019 set all sorts of records. So there were 1.2 billion people that watched on television for the month. There were more than a million people that turned up in the stands. And so all those figures are going to set to be blown out of the water again because we're going to have more teams, more 
more venues and more interest around the globe. FIFA has also said they're going to pile in a whole lot more investment into the women's game, which was so notable the other day when the president, Gianni Infantino, made that announcement. He said over the next four years, FIFA is going to invest $1 billion worldwide. That's a billion US, by the way, worldwide, purely for the women's game. And on top of that, you know, we've had a lot of discussions here in Australia about the impact of coronavirus and where has women's sport gone. There's been talk mostly around the resumption of the men's professional leagues and not a lot about the women, having built such a strong foundation over the last few years where women's sport was really on the rise. So the president of FIFA said he's also going to make available $500,000, half a million dollars to every single football federation in the world, of which there are 211 purely for post-COVID resumption of women's football, which is quite phenomenal. And I think that really sets a bit of an agenda for all other sports everywhere. Now, you've mentioned post-COVID and there are some concerns about this possibly affecting us still by 2023. And you've mentioned the Olympics also. We know that Japan has struggled to get their uh, Olympics back up and running with all the money that they've already invested and having to postpone it from this year. And uh, reportedly Brazil pulled out of the race to host this World Cup because of their concerns about the lasting impact of COVID. Do you think it's still going to have the same economic and viewership numbers like we saw in France in 2019 if we've still got this lingering? Yeah, I do. You know, those numbers globally, people tuning into TV sets, that will still be phenomenal and I think it will set records. It's a really interesting point, though, and this is one of those things that nobody knows. Nobody knows where we're going to be next week with COVID-19, let alone in 2023. But all the signs are that things are not going to be how they are now. We hope We've got no idea, to be frank. But we also know that if you're going to send it to a country, you're going to send top teams from 32 nations to a particular place to compete in a global sporting event. You could not find a safer place than Australia or New Zealand because the fact that we are islands, we are so far away from everywhere else, we have very good boundaries and border controls to try and protect against this. And so you probably have a situation where perhaps the teams need to come in earlier and isolate or quarantine for a number of weeks before the tournament actually gets started. But I also think that what we've seen happen and the challenges that are currently being faced by AFL and NRL in this space, which is still very much focused on COVID-19, there are learnings from that that are obviously going to help with the organisation of the 2023 Women's World Cup because we'll understand what works, what doesn't work, and how to protect teams and others during this. But let's hope that 2023, we've kind of emerged from this somewhat better than we're facing at the moment. COVID aside, do you think this event could change how this country sees their national women's team, the Matildas? I mean, they are beloved by fans, but there's also research that shows the men's teams, the soccerers in particular, are more recognisable. People know more about them than they do the Matildas. Do you think this will level the playing field? Yeah, definitely. And I think that change already started some time ago. You know, when we started seeing not just little boys, but, you know, teenage boys and men walking around with yellow shirts of the Matildas teams with Matildas names on the back, that's a pretty significant shift. 
And I think the next generation coming through, you know, talking about teenagers now, people between 17 and 25, boys in particular, are not looking at things the same way that people of my generation might have when we were that age. And it was just unheard of. And you'd be quite embarrassed if you're a male to fess up to the fact that you might follow a women's team. People would think you were strange. That has shifted already. And I think that is going to provide another great leap forward because there is no shame in it. People now recognise that on a global scale, so many of our women's teams and women's sports and really spearheaded by that Matilda's brand has shown everybody that it's fine. You know, our women's teams are actually better performed on the global stage and our men's teams and so let's really get behind that and so I think there's a big shift that's already happened organically but this will take it to a new level of professionalism for sure. What do you think the effect will be on the grassroots level of sport after this World Cup is hosted here in Australia and New Zealand? Do you think we'll see a massive increase in young girls and young boys entering the sport? The thing is, soccer is, you know, one of the most popular sports at that young age for young kids, you know, participation-wise. I think it's the number one sport, actually, and that is only set to grow. And I think the other thing is when kids from all sorts of diverse backgrounds, you look at Australia now, and I think it's more than, you know, one in four people is born overseas. About 50% people have a parent that has come from overseas And so we are really in Australia a global community and we know that football is the global game, you know, bar none. I think basketball is catching up at a pretty quick rate. But the real development area, and I think this is why FIFA was pretty keen for the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, to come here to Australia and New Zealand, is that it opens up that whole Asian region because one of FIFA's plans is to expand the sport for women. They want to double the number of girls playing the game from 30 million at the moment to 60 million by 2026. And for that to happen, they're going to have to get real buy-in from places like China and India that have, you know, a billion people each. And so I think that's why they were pretty keen for it to come here, knowing that Australia also has those soft power relationships with India and China. And it's not going to make just a huge difference here in Australia and New Zealand, but right through the Pacific and then right up through into, you know, larger Asia and then the globe generally. The Matildas have fought hard to reach this milestone since their origins in 1975. They've managed to be recognised as an official team, playing recognised official games, to reaching record-breaking pay agreements. And finally, last year, getting their very own uniform instead of just wearing the boys' kit. But maybe after 2023, we'll stop seeing men's sport and women's sport and just see sport. Not in competition with each other for funding, for TV coverage, for the love of the fans, but just equally as important. And for the thousands of little girls and boys who might be inspired to play the world game after watching our girls hopefully hold the trophy aloft at the end of the tournament, this could be the moment they stop seeing gender too and only see their favourite player, regardless of whether they're a Socceroo or a Matilda. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if there's a new story you'd like a little more background information on, shoot us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au and we'll check it out for you.